Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Good day, everybody. This is uh, Jeremy Evans, your host of the Believe in Sports Law podcast. Today, we have a very special guest in Lee Steinberg, who is very well known as uh, probably the most well-known sports agent uh, in history and a dear friend and a colleague. He uh, went to uh, undergrad at uh, UC Berkeley, uh, I think after he transferred from UCLA, and then uh, went to uh, Berkeley Law School, uh, which was Bolt Hall. And uh, he's represented some of the most well-known clients in the world. At one point, I think he represented 31 of the 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL and uh, has worked on films like Jerry Maguire. Again, a dear friend and a colleague and, and somebody that I really respect and look up to consider a mentor and so happy that he's decided to join the show with us today. So Lee, want to bring you in and uh, thanks again for being here and was kind of hoping uh, you could give a little background on yourself as to how you first got your your start in uh, sports agency. I'd be happy to, Jeremy. Congratulations to you on uh, a whole series of articles and honors that you've achieved. I'm very proud of you. I grew up in Los Angeles, went to UCLA for a year, then to Berkeley in the crazy days of the 1960s. And uh, I was student body president and uh, Ronald Reagan was the governor of California. And every time we demonstrated against the war in Vietnam, he cracked down and I learned everything I needed to learn about negotiating from dealing with governor then President Reagan. When I went to law school as a dorm counselor in an undergraduate dorm and they moved the freshman football team into the dorm and one of the students was the quarterback, Steve Bartkowski. And in 1975, there really wasn't an organized uh, concept of sports agentry or sports law. Um, As a matter of fact, teams didn't have an obligation to talk to agents they could simply slam down the phone and say, we don't deal with agents. There was no protection. So Bartkowski asked me to represent him. Um, I had gotten out of law school and traveled the world for a year. And he's the first pick in the first round of the NFL draft by the Atlanta Falcons. And there was a World Football League competing against the NFL teams that you'll always remember, like the Shreveport Steamer, and the Chicago fire one year was preceded by being named the Chicago wind. But we uh, arrived at Atlanta to sign the contract the night before. And we get to the airport and there's squeak lights flashing in the sky, like for a movie premiere, a huge crowd is pressed up against the police line. And the first thing we heard was, We interrupt the late news to bring you a special news bulletin. Steve Bartkowski and his attorney have just arrived at the Atlanta airport. We switch you live for an in-depth 
interview. Whoa. And, and that's really when I saw the idol worship and veneration that athletes are held in communities across the country, how they're the movie stars and celebrities. And Jeremy, my dad raised us outside of spiritual ones with two core values, <clears throat> treasure relationships, especially family, and secondarily, try to make a meaningful, positive impact in the world and help people who can't help themselves. So I saw that athletes could be role models and retrace their roots to the high school uh, community, the collegiate and the professional and set up charitable and community programs that would enhance the quality of life. And that was 46 years ago. Oh my. You know, it's, it's, it's so funny, Lee. Um, one of the things that you brought up there, I mean, obviously you've got a storied history and one of the things that I always admired about you and that you really pushed with your clients was this idea of giving back and starting foundations. And, um, and obviously you mentioned your father and how you, how he raised you. What's kind of been your experience with that Lee in terms of the, the giving back and some of the foundations that you've worked with and what, what do you impress upon, um, you know, sort of your clients? Because I think one of the things I've always admired about your strategy with clients is that, you take the approach of, we want to work with you as much as you want to work with us, meaning you look at the character and the full sort of idea what the client is versus I think sometimes agents make the mistake of going, I just want the big client regardless of personality. So you can you kind of talk a little bit about that, Lee? We profile clients looking for the young men on the college campus that uh, are, are bright, very ambitious, and have a caring heart and a social conscience so that they understand that that high athletic profile can make a real difference. So at the high school level, about 140 of the players have set up high school scholarship funds. Uh, Tua Tongo-Vailoa has just done that for uh, his high school in Hawaii, the uh, young Dolphin uh, quarterback. At the collegiate level, it could be Troy Aikman endowing a full scholarship at, at UCLA um, or Steve Young or Edger and James repaying his scholarship at the University of Miami. And at the professional level, we challenge each athlete to find something in their life that's a problem that's always bothered them that they'd like to leave a legacy for. So Patrick Mahomes has 15 in the Mahomes where he's given hundreds of thousands of dollars to youth charities to, to buy lunches for uh, kids in the pandemic to, to enhance the lives of uh, young people. And the second part of it and in aggregate, the athletes have raised almost a billion dollars for a charity, but more importantly is triggering imitative behavior. So when I represented the heavyweight boxer, Lennox Lewis, we had him do a public service announcement that said, real men don't hit women. And that could do more to trigger imitative behavior in young rebellious adolescence because of the macho nature of boxing than a thousand authority figures ever could or Oscar De La Hoya and Steve Young prejudice is foul play. So it's, it's charitable foundations with leading business figures, political figures and community leaders 
uh, on an advisory board to execute a, a program. And then it's messaging and outreach into the community. You have to look at a young man holistically. Listening, Jeremy, is the most important skill. Can you get into the heart and mind of another human being and discover their deepest anxieties and fears and their greatest hopes and dreams? And then can you help them be a role model, plan for second career, mentor a very successful uh, career and, and treat an athlete as a holistic human being um, and try to fulfill their dreams as they define them. Oh, that's great, Lee. And then in that kind of same vein, can you talk a little bit about, so we've talked about the client selection process and how that goes and you look at character and the full, the full client. Um, like what's the recruitment process like? Is it, is this something that starts at their sort of first year in college? Is it something you get, maybe you have conversations closer to the draft? What's kind of your, uh, without giving away the, the, all the tricks and all the, the, the tools and everything, but what's kind of the, what's the process for you? So in the lives of the type of young men we tend to represent or young women, uh, their parents take a lead role and the parents will be designated as the people to talk to agents. When to start is as early as makes sense. Um, obviously, people come out their junior year in football and in baseball, they come out of high school. And um, But usually it's been towards the junior year that the discussions start. But we now have California SB 206, which triggered a NCAA change next month, which allows underclassmen to be marketed and hiring a marketing agent. And so that may move the timetable up. But generally, there'll be a group of agents um, that are pitching to the parents. They'll set up a series of meetings. They'll uh, uh, dwindle down their options. And then I might not meet the player until late in the last college season or even right after. And, and then they've got all these options. The key is, do you understand a young man well enough to, to propose a vision for maximizing his career and talent? And is there a trust factor there? Um, does he uh, look, at, look at you as someone who will tell the truth? Um, and, uh, one of the things about agents is somebody could be standing on a 32nd floor building on the ledge, um, getting ready to jump. And, uh, a lot of their friends would tell them, um, love gravity doesn't apply to you. Go ahead. You can fly. <laughs> but speaking truth to athletes and reality basing them is also important to have some integrity in the process. Right. No, I love that. And, you know, Lee, one of the things that's been your trademarks, you've written obviously two great books, uh, The Agent and Winning with Integrity, uh, which I've read great books. I recommend them to anybody who's aspiring to be an agent or being the sports business or even in the entertainment business, really. Um, kind of discuss, and again, one of your trademarks has been this sort of idea of deal making and negotiation. What's kind of your deal making and negotiation process and what are maybe some tips you might share with with folks? 
So let's remember that everyone negotiates in life. Husbands and wives negotiate over whether uh, who's going to do the household chores and where they're going for vacation, how much time will be spent. Parents negotiate with their kids for curfew. Um, we all buy houses. We negotiate for our own uh, uh, job status and situation. Um, and the first key is research. So you really understand who the person is on the other side and what their needs are or research the industry or understand what their economics are in, in so that what you wanna do is put your head into the head of the other person and your heart into their heart and see the world the way they see it. So you can craft a win-win scenario. And um, it's, you can go through everything from who makes the first offer, uh, human beings have the desire to show progress. So unfortunately, if you ask for exactly that number, uh, people won't feel there was uh, very much uh, progress. But how can you fulfill the other side's needs and desires while maximally fulfilling your own? And so it's it, you're trying to... to introduce a, a paradigm of trust where people believe each other, where there's not a lot of posturing, where um, if I can think the way an owner can think in terms of what's in the best interest of their franchise or in endorsement, what's in the best interest of this product and make it a win-win, it's important because most of us in business will do repetitive negotiation very often with the same people. So ever putting your foot on someone's neck, if they're exposed, um, you have to be considerate of, of their own needs so that you can establish a reciprocity of trust and be able to, to do not just this deal, but a whole series of deals. So it's knowing not to crow or brag about a deal well done, but to put it in terms of what it's bringing the other side and um, not taking the process personally. So you have to almost bleed the emotions out. The fact that if I'm negotiating for a client, it's not my ego on the line. It's all about the client. It's not um, for me to, to let side issues come into it. It's just about um, the process. And the other thing, Jeremy, is resilience. You will always hit points in life where you're pushed back and you know, where things are not so great. In a negotiation, very often you hit a roadblock, but can you take a break? Can you um, rethink a better way to approach it? Don't push a losing argument till you lock the other party in and um, go ahead and spring forth again with energy and uh, momentum to get the process moving. I don't have the luxury in young men's lives to have time pass. Um, they have short careers, so um, we can't allow deadlock. And, and what happens is if two parties um, tell each other, hey, um, we're in good faith and you're not in good faith. You know, if you're smart enough to understand what I was offering, you'd agree with it. Or if you were smart enough and because you don't, you're either not smart enough or you're consciously flaunting bad faith. Um, 
it's not going to go very far and you're going to get a deadlock. And, and when you get a deadlock, young men can turn old, uh, fall can turn to winter and nothing will happen. And I can't afford that sort of destructiveness. No, I love that Lee. And uh, two points, uh, I'll sort of bring up one point and then, a um, sort of an insight that I've come across is, you know, obviously, um, I've never known you to be somebody that brags or, or, and I've never known for your reputation to be somebody who teams don't like working with. I've, I've often, I mean, that's the one thing I hear constantly, consistently with you is that teams enjoy the process with you. And I think the results are there when you have the clientele. And of course, I'll do a little bragging for you. Uh, your client, Patrick Mahomes, I think just signed the largest contract in NFL history, if I'm not uh, mistaken. So I think it was sports history, but um, he, he's uh, doing fine. Yeah, <laughs> he's doing okay. Yeah. Uh, now, Lee, you talked a little bit about name, image, and likeness and the, uh, the SB206 here in California. What is your insight on that? Do you think this is going to be a big deal for – for college athletes or, or maybe not so much, maybe for the elite few and not for everybody else. What's your insight there? So the first big beneficiaries that you could think of would be quarterbacks playing on a high profile of, uh, who win awards or do much. They obviously are going to have the most brand and market skills. So think Jameis Winston coming out of school or think Johnny Manziel or think Tua Tango Vailoa. Um, so that'll be the first group. And they may be able to do some really remunerative um, uh, contracts. Then after that, think of Olympic sports, females, and think of someone going to the Olympics in, in gymnastics or um, uh, a, a sport like that, or the, if, if they were on a college campus, the Winter Olympics. Then next, understand that to people who are in college that has a huge identity group, uh, universities like Ohio State and Texas and Alabama and, uh, you know, Michigan and Penn State and, and UCLA and SC, those players, there may be enough desire to take a player who's not quite as big a star and still do a group licensing or another uh, deal with them. So it will be like a pyramid with the biggest gains going to uh, the people who play for high profile, uh, uh, you know, practices and play high profile position, but it may extend down into uh, the fact that if you're living in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, any player playing for the University of Alabama might have some cachet and some pop to it. Right. Yeah, that's kind of what I was that's, – that's some really good insight there, Lee, and it's going to be fun to follow, um, especially as it plays out with the NCAA and the other states and how that goes. One other uh, – so a few other questions. This idea of maybe uh, entertainment industry crossover – where, you know, obviously you had that, the, the great iconic film, Jerry Maguire, you worked on that um, with some iconic actors and Tom Cruise and Cuba Gooding Jr. Um, do you see a lot of that happening now with your clients where 
you know, you've got guys like Kevin Durant, you know, doing podcasts and LeBron James doing entertainment companies. Maybe walk us through some of the the, the trends that you're seeing there and, and uh, some experiences you've had. So the first breakthrough really was when Deron Cherry, who was a defensive back for the Kansas City Chiefs, um, retired and we introduced him to Wayne Weaver and he became a minority owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then Ray Childress did the same thing with the Houston Texans and work done as a part owner of the Atlanta Falcons. So it's the athlete is owner. So Patrick Mahomes is now bought into the uh, group that runs the Kansas City Royals and his fiance uh, as part of a group that's uh, bringing women's soccer there. So it's the athlete as owner, okay? And then next, it's, it's the fact that everything involved with sports is content. And the interesting stories that they have about their own lives, the concept of, uh, of uh, just being another form of the entertainment uh, uh, industry is such that you will see athletes becoming producers and you will see them head production companies and, and the rest. Then you also have the concept of endorsements, but in an endorsement, if it's a startup company, it may be that the uh, Patrick Mahomes just took a, a, a part of a, of a startup company. Uh, and in addition to getting paid, he got equity. So the point is that the right startup in our field, um, there are all sorts of new products, new concepts, new technologies, um, you know, a concussion helmet, a, a water that hydrates at a level that, that keeps athletes more competitive, a, uh, uh, the use of stem cells, um, you know, a variety of different um, new breakthroughs that athletes can become associated with. So it really is, it goes all the way back to when we had Troy Aikman own Troy Aikman Auto Mall. Because once the brand is set, if it has enough uh, resonance to it, if it has enough uh, popularity, then an athlete can put his name on a bank, uh, an auto uh, distributorship, uh, have their own cereal. Uh, so it's as wide, Jeremy, as your imagination could take you. Wow. And then kind of staying on that topic a little bit. So we'll have this question. We'll have one last one for you, Lee. This idea of maybe like the future of sports and entertainment, what are some trends that you're seeing uh, in this space? So it's all about bringing fans closer to sport. And so it starts with fantasy, but there are new leagues that allow um, the participants to to draft the owner, draft the, the general manager. There's um, uh, games being played in the studio. And it's we have a reality uh, project. It's virtual reality where you put on the helmet and um, you are now Patrick Mahomes in Arrowhead Stadium. And now you have the ability because of a ball that you're holding in your hands to either prospectively get sacked or to throw a touchdown pass. And it brings you right into the game. And um, I've been noodling on a way to 
keep millennials in the stands because if you're brought up with a background of multitasking, a three-hour football game that has 28 minutes of action uh, may be hard to sustain. So <clears throat> the concept is you have a phone or other mobile device and down one side runs your fantasy stats and down the other side runs your gambling bets and underneath you have the capacity to talk smack by texting to fans in or out of the stadium. And then you allow the fans to vote on one play call that the coach has to call. And you allow them to vote on one referee overturn that they can do. And now when you touch that screen, you can order directly from the snack bar. And when you touch that screen, you get an unrelenting diet of content. You can watch other games. You can watch anything in the world but you also get puzzles, puzzles quizzes, um, a variety of interactive uh, games that ultimately lead you to monetization and, uh, and buying product. Now that's fascinating. I was reading an article today about uh, Nickelodeon doing a co-broadcast, I think with uh, CBS, and it was trying to bring in even the younger generation and the millennials of trying to engage them with content or doing, doing uh, streaming on Twitch or what have you? Well, you look at the evolution. You have more kids playing eSports, right? Uh, you have more kids playing video games than are playing Little League Baseball. You have more people skating than are uh, 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 rollerboarding uh, than, than uh, play Little League Baseball. So... Um, there is change that's um, occurring in, in terms of people's uh, interest, and, uh, and there are new sports coming on the horizon and new leagues. Uh, I just talked to some people who are forming a national uh, rugby league. And so this is going to continue because we don't have three networks as we did in the 60s and 70s. We have 300 networks. And they have an endless desire for content. And it's not just the games, which they're exponentially more, but it's highlight shows and opinion shows and commentary and um, uh, a whole slew. Whoever thought we'd be sitting watching sports writers talking on television? Right, right. No, that's some great points, Lee. And then sort of in closing, you know, obviously you've had – uh, some, some great experiences in life. Um, you've seen a lot, you've been around a lot of different people. What are some life lessons you could share, uh, with folks, uh, you know, running a niche practice, choosing personnel wisely, anything you can share, uh, and sort of close us out. Well, the first thing is that I struggled with alcohol about, uh, 10 years ago. I'm now in my 11th year of sobriety, but it's, um, understanding the proportionality of things and having balance in life so that it's being able to have a romantic relationship, ultimately being able to be a father or a mother. It's issues like that and balancing them out. And it's resilience because life inevitably is going to push you back. But do you have the strength and vision to see your way out of wreckage and see a, a brighter future. And um, we all get knocked back on some of our goals, but the point is, can you rise again and uh, get out there and, uh, and 
thank you everybody for listening in. That was a very special guest in Lee Steinberg, super agent, a very busy man. So glad he was able to spend some time with us. Again, that was episode 51 of season two. And we will look forward to being back with you next week, which will be Monday, December 28th. Today was uh, Monday, December uh, 21st. Wishing you a wonderful holiday season. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy New Year, and look forward to being back with you very soon. Always appreciate listening in. Again, this is your host, Jeremy Evans of Believe in Sports Law via the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.